Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Members Exclusive Podcast. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Monday, the 19th of February. And as usual, with all the information contained in this podcast, it is general advice only. So please do your own research. Contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas, or in this podcast. All right, well, here we are coming up to 11.30 on Monday morning. Plenty of action in the House this morning. The index itself is up 15.3 points or 0.2%, 76.73.6, are heading towards those all-time highs. And the real driver in the market so far today has been the resource sector, which has been taking a little bit of heart from those government moves on Friday regarding nickel and the critical minerals and metals list. We have seen BHP up 1.7%. We do have BHP results tomorrow as well. So that is going to be the highlight, obviously, of tomorrow morning. I'm on CNBC tomorrow as well, talking about the BHP results after the fact. So BHP at the moment up 1.7, Rio up 1.7 and Fortescue up 1.3%, all helped no doubt by the news over the weekend that the Chinese economy is picking up a little bit, certainly in terms of those tourist numbers and movements in terms of rail travel around the Lunar New Year uh, back to pre-pandemic levels. So a little bit of a uh, fillip perhaps for the Chinese market. Hong Kong has been open since Wednesday last week, and uh, that market has been doing well. So it looks as if the Chinese market, when it opens later today, should do all right. So as a result, we are seeing a little bit of action in some of those uh, nickel, lithium stocks, I guess, and uh, iron ore stocks as well. Uh, Some of the other highlights today, Pilbara up 2.2%. Their number's out on Thursday, which is going to be an interesting one. I did write this morning on Pilbara uh, regarding the shorts, which have reduced slightly. Still 580-odd million shares short in Pilbara, uh, but it does look as if the shorters are buying back some of that stock ahead of Thursday's result. Mineral Resources also doing well today, up 2%. And uh, we have seen some action, especially in some of the second liners in terms of the market here today in the lithium space. Uh, Sayona continues to push ahead. That was up 7.3%, but we have seen as well Latin Resources having a good day today. They're up 4.7%, although uh, we did see um, Liontown, uh, rather Liontown up 4.7%. Latin Resources, uh, they are up only 1.2%. So a little bit of interest emerging in these lithium stocks. LTM, Arcadium Lithium up 4.6%. So that's one that I've been pushing uh, in the newsletter. And it looks as if it's certainly on track at the moment. So that's going pretty well for the market as well at the moment. So uh, a little bit of a bounce, a little bit of uh, interest in some of those stocks. The other one that does look interesting is 29M, 29 Metals, which had a pretty horror week last week. But of course, they're involved in the li- in the nickel space as well. They're up 35% today. It sounds a lot. It's only 6.5 cents. They did get down to 19 cents on Friday, 18 and a half, 19 cents. So a good bounce from them today. And we are seeing uh, a bit of a bounce in some of these uh, second line rare earths, lithium, nickel stocks, uh, the likes of uh, American rare earths, ARR, continuing to push higher, 9.3%. That's one we have highlighted Inspector's stock of the day, Lake Resources, 10.5% higher as well. So there's certainly a little bit of action in some of these at the moment, uh, pushing things up. WA1 
WA resources up 5.6% as well. So uh, certainly some sentiment, uh, some positive sentiment returning to the sector. So that is good. We have seen, of course, today it is all about results. It is all about reporting season. We have seen Westpac's first quarter numbers out. I have written something about them in the newsletter today. Uh, so uh, have a little look at that. But certainly uh, it doesn't read too badly for Westpac. These are only first quarter results. So it's kind of early days. No dividend, of course. We don't see the final results from the banks until uh, we get to that May period. But the CEO, Peter King, is talking about the Reserve Bank dropping cash rates within the next year, which uh, seems a long time coming. But um, the bank's top forecaster, who is the former RBA official, Lucy Ellis, has penciled in September for the start of monetary easing. The quarterly net profit was $1.5 billion uh, from Westpac, but we did see once again a contraction in that net interest margin, as we have seen the toothpaste tube squeezed from both ends. So we have seen uh, more competition in the deposit space and more competition in the mortgage space as well. So that is hurting those net interest margins. They contracted around four basis points to 1.8%. However, the important thing, I guess, from a market point of view and an economic point of view is we're not seeing a massive deterioration in those bad and doubtful debts, provisions, uh, and personal loans, etc., mortgages, delinquencies, 90-day plus. We're not seeing a massive, massive pickup in those. Uh, stressed business loans, there was actually a reduction in those. We did see 90-day plus day mortgage Delinquencies up a slightly higher, nine basis points to 0.95%. And we do have, in Westpac's case, nearly $100 billion worth of mortgages, which are on ultra-low fixed loans, will be resetting by the end of next year. But obviously, next year is a long time away, and a lot can happen with the RBA in that space of time. So the Westpac numbers don't look too bad. The stock this morning is up slightly, uh, gaining a little bit of strength, 1.6%. The banks are trying to find a bit of a footing at the moment, CBA up 0.6%. The other interesting one out today is Borrell, which has seen Kerry Stokes and Ryan uh, Stokes uh, make a play for the balance of the Borrell that they don't already own. They own around 71% of that one. So they're looking at paying for uh, Borrell. It is a scrip and cash bid for Borrell. Uh, they own 71.6%. Currently, the bid is a little bit uh, complicated uh, due to some kickers that kick in if they get minimum acceptance level and board uh, approvals. Uh, initially, it works out around $6.05, but it could rise by $0.20, cents, uh, as much as $0.20, cents if some of these kickers are in play. Uh, if you're a Borrell shareholder, you're going to get 0.11167 shares and $1.50 in cash. But you could see that increase by a further 10% if 7 reaches the 80% threshold and another 10% if that gets above the compulsory acquisition threshold of 90.6%. So at the moment, the Board of Borrell is suggesting uh, shareholders, as always, take no further action. But um, they have set up an independent committee there to evaluate whether the bid is fair and reasonable. The stock at the moment, 606, so up 3.6%. The other one in the headlines today, I guess, in terms of takeover talk, is APM, the Human Resources 
uh, recruitment agency. Uh, they look as if they have had a knockback, which is surprising given the premium these guys were paying. There was some press speculation that they had had a bid. CVC Asia Pacific did lob a $1.60. That's a big price. $1.60 cash per share, less than he divs, uh, to the APM board. Uh, and they have unanimously resolved not to pursue the proposal on the basis that it does not sufficiently reflect the fundamental value of APM. Now, given the stock was languishing, uh, to say the least, recently uh, at uh, some seriously uh, dangerous lows on the back of their recent events, uh, we have uh, the stock getting down to under set, well, around 70-odd cents, back up this morning to $1. twenty-six. So uh, all that negativity following the first half trading update uh, seems to have dissipated with this bid, but um, or potential bid. But a uh, long way to run in this one, but maybe a sign of the times there. We've also seen some numbers out today from A2 Milk, which look pretty impressive, I have to say. Again, more information on A2 Milk in the newsletter today. 16.1% higher on the back of that. Looks like China is going pretty well at the moment. Uh, 80% of their total brand revenue is coming out of China, uh, and they seem to be well on track. U.S. as well um, is showing increased profitability and a more of a sustainable business. So some good news out of A2 Milk this morning, 16% higher, pretty good volume as well, 6 million shares. And we have seen as well Reliance Worldwide with their numbers out this morning as well, and uh, they look pretty good too, that stock doing well did reveal a drop in profits but unveiled a new share buyback uh, which is helping it meet shareholder payment plans. Also news out this morning from uh, Ampol uh, at uh, they reported a decline in half year profits but has rewarded shareholders with a dividend boost. We've seen Blue Scope Steel, Cochlear as well out this morning. Uh, that's a big one. We do own that one in the growth portfolio. Not quite such a good reaction to those results. Down 2.3% but it has run pretty hard uh, in that respect. Uh, it declared its largest interim dividend in at least a decade. So some good news there for Cochlear shareholders, that's for sure. Some of the stories on the losing side of the equation, though, today we've had Lend-Lease numbers out. Uh, how the mighty have fallen in Lend-Lease, down nearly 15% in Lend-Lease. Four million shares traded today. Newix as well came out with their results this morning. And uh, the market a little bit ho-hum on that, talking about their new revolving debt facility agreement. Uh, but Newix themselves annualised contract value up 17.3%, statutory revenue up 12%, underlying EBITDA up 12.8%. Um, so it doesn't look too bad, but clearly the market was going for better result out of Newix. The stock down 11% today as well. So there are a few casualties around this morning in the market as well as uh, the likes of Hazer, which is doing a capital raise as well in the market. As I said earlier, we are seeing a slight lithium recovery uh, currently, ahead of those Pilbara numbers that we are uh, due to see on Thursday. Uh, lithium is potentially being lumped in as well with the government's uh, nickel rescue plan, although the details of that nickel rescue plan haven't been uh, made available yes, just yet. The Treasury uh, is uh, talking to some industry groups about how they can best enact it. But it does look as if it's a short-term solution to maybe a long-term problem, which is that uh, very cheap nickel coming out of Indonesia as they really do dominate uh, the supply of nickel in um, the world, the global trade in nickel. 
All right, well, as far as the uh, newsletter goes today, just the usual US check-ins in my stuff. Also, a little bit of chatter about uh, Patriot battery medals, which there was some chatter in the Australian today. Potentially a takeover bid there, maybe in the offing. The names mentioned there were Rio and Albemarle. I do quite like some of these lithium stocks in the short term. LTM is the one that I have been liking. Uh, They're up nearly 5% today. Uh, That one is uh, somewhat uh, a rocky start to their marriage. That was, of course, with the live event uh, Alchem marriage. And it has been a bit of a rocky start, but uh, certainly back on track, as they say, uh, back up to $7.50. So things are looking a little bit better for them. The other interesting one, I guess, today is Neuron Pharmaceutical, uh, which got smacked uh, big time down on Friday on the back of that short selling report from Culpa uh, getting stuck into Acadia Pharmaceutical, which is their U.S. license partner with that debut drug there for Rett syndrome. And uh, certainly Neuron Pharmaceutical re- rallying back a little bit today. Not really that convincing. Uh, 3.7% higher. Acadia Pharmaceuticals didn't exactly get trashed on Friday in uh, the U.S. trade. So the market taking a little bit of heart from that. It was interesting that Canaccord Genuity in their morning email put out the same note that they'd put out a couple of days before the short seller attacked them uh, with their price target on Neuron Pharmaceutical way, 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 way above uh, where it is at the moment. But no reference and no updates, which you'd have thought if you're putting out some research on Neuron, you would put out a bit of an update on what happened in uh, Neuron and Arcadia in the pharmaceutical space. In other stuff in my uh, Henry's take today, just... um, Looking at Mr. Bean, and Mr. Bean uh, had a very, which has now turned into quite an infamous article, I'm sure you've all probably seen it, uh, with Mr. Bean talking about electric vehicles, uh, to EV or not to EV, that is the question, I guess. But uh, Mr. Bean, Ryan Atkinson, who has got a serious amount of credibility in this space, I have to say, he's not just a celebrity talking uh, absolute rubbish, he does have, I think, go to university and he did have a, um, a degree in uh, electronics and electrical engineering. So he does know a little bit of thing or two about electric vehicles. And he was quoted, he wrote an article in The Guardian, uh, which has been blamed in part for the UK's slow adoption of electric vehicles. I would imagine that part of that slow adoption is more to do with the cost of living pressures, the fact that the UK is technically in a recession at the moment, And EVs are expensive. If you buy an ICE vehicle, an internal combustion engine vehicle, there is a, I guess to some extent, it is a kind of a buy now, pay later kind of purchase. The the cars themselves are cheaper than an electric vehicle, but as you obviously spend throughout the lifetime of the car, the petrol maintenance, etc., is higher. So there is that buy now, pay later aspect, whereas if you're paying more upfront for your electric vehicle, uh, you are obviously not going to be paying for petrol down the track. But certainly in Mr. Bean and his article in The Guardian, and one of the other things he said was that he found electric vehicles soulless. Having said that, he does drive an electric vehicle. The interesting thing as well, which I wrote about today, is of course China coming back online after the Lunar New Year holiday. Uh, good for uh, China, good for us is usually the way of things. Uh, but certainly there is a potential boost to China. Uh, Hong Kong, which was up around 5% last week following uh, that reopening, ahead of the Chinese market reopening. And uh, the NASDAQ Golden Dragon China Index, 
was up 4.3% for the week. So we haven't seen China open as yet. Clearly, there's a couple of ways to play it in our market. Uh, more, uh, I guess, through the ETF market. IZZ is one of the ways to play that. That is uh, ETF on the Chinese uh, large cap ETFs. Uh, that uh, gives you exposure to the likes of Alibaba at around 9.4%, Tencent around 8.7% of the portfolio, China Construction Bank, Meituan, uh, NetEase, uh, Industrial and Commercial Bank. So all the big names, I guess, coming out of China, you get exposure to that through that um, iShares China ETF. Uh, there's also uh, another ETF that uh, you may want to consider as well. There's a Vanek FTSE China A50 ETF, uh, which is dedicated to China's A-shares market benchmark uh, that has uh, the likes of uh, Catol in their contemporary Amperex technology company, China Merchant Bank. So uh, interesting there. And the biggest uh, holding there is uh, Keqiao Mutai, uh, which is around 15%, 15-16% of the fund. So you are taking quite a big bet on that uh, Mutai. One thing to bear in mind with ETFs, and there's a lot of uh, people very keen on ETFs, and they do give you some great exposure to some great themes really quickly. Just be careful when you do buy ETFs, because to some extent, uh, what they say on the box, what the theme you're buying potentially may not be what you're getting. Uh, for instance, we had a discussion the other week on uh, the call on Osbiz, Andrew Wan and myself about the ACDC uh, ETF, which is battery technology, and uh, you would think you know you're buying uh, lithium exposure. The problem is, and this is a, a, a really something that uh, investors maybe this is somewhat educational, uh, but certainly something that investors need to make sure is that when you're buying into these ETFs, that you do realize what the composition of the ETF is if it's passive, if it's active. Uh, whether the manager has a black box, you don't really know much about it. But certainly when you look at ACDC, there is, uh, for instance, um, Renault has uh, a 4.1% weighting. Mercedes-Benz has a 4% rating. Volkswagen has a 4% rating. BMW has a 4% weighting. Honda has a 4% weighting. So you may think you're getting exposure to lithium battery technology stocks, but a lot of this exposure in this ACDC ETF is car companies, which obviously they do have some electric vehicle exposure, some more than others. But certainly you are buying into a car-focused ETF to some extent. So a bit of an educational tip there is when you're looking at ETFs and look beyond the call uh, title, the call um, stock code, D-R-U-G or F-O-O-D, etc., or ACDC, just look beyond that. Make sure that what you're buying in terms of stock exposure is what you want. So that's a little bit of education for this session. I know many of you miss Marcus's education at the end of this podcast. So there we go. Just read the PDS for those ETFs and make sure what exposure you're getting, because some of them can be quite concentrated into a single asset, is actually the asset you want and the asset you want that exposure to, because you can... Uh, be buying into a theme which you think is a good theme, but it ends up being not such a good outcome because of one specific concentration in one specific stock. Well, that's it from me today. Thanks very much for listening. Have a great rest of the day. We'll be back again this afternoon with the end of day uh, podcast as well. Marcus, of course, will be back again tomorrow. A normal service will be resumed. 
Thanks again, and talk to you soon. Bye.